Uh, Colossians 4, 5 to 6, our proper conduct towards unbelievers. And as I said, it's, it's based on uh, Colossians 4, 5 to 6, which is be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How do you behave with and towards unbelievers? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you tolerate them? Are you concerned about their salvation? Do you act like them when you aren't in Christian company? Do you snub them if they aren't holy? Some Christians think that being kind to unbelievers is like throwing pearls before swine. Then there are Christians who stand on the street corners, in mells and in front of abortion clinics to witness to unbelievers. Others just don't care one way or the other. Where do you fit in? Do you share your faith using hugs or headlocks, honey or a hammer? Or do you even share your faith at all? The word of God is very specific about how you are, as a Christian, to conduct yourself towards the non-Christian. And as we go again, I'll just read Colossians 4, 5 again. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And another sort of more literal translation of it would be, in wisdom, walk towards the ones outside, redeeming the time, let your word always be in grace, having been seasoned with salt, to know how it is necessary for each one of you to answer. God wants you to conduct yourselves with wisdom towards unbelievers, as we read in verse 5. First of all, before anything else is said, we need to focus on something very important, and that's the cross of Christ. It's because of the cross and our redemption found there that we are able to seek to be wise and good towards unbelievers. The sacrifice of Christ has cleansed us from our sins, forgiven us our trespasses, and enabled us to be gracious and kind by changing us. As we were once against God in our unbelief, God was gracious and kind to us. Because of Jesus, we are to be kind to others. Literally, the Greek says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. To the, to the Jew, every non-Jew was an outsider. To the Christian, every non-Christian is an outsider. That is outside the church, outside of a relationship with the Lord Jesus. In the context of the church, in the days of the early church, believers were often slandered by these outsiders. Christians were often called atheists because they served no visible gods, unpatriotic because they did not burn incense before the image of the emperor, and immoral because of necessity they would often meet behind locked doors. Today, there is still an attack on the church, Christians are called bigots because they condemn homosexuality, intolerant because they oppose abortion, religious extremists because they condemn sin, and narrow-minded because they believe there is one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. 
Yet in spite of these attacks, we are to remain humble, loving, caring, kind and gentle. If we are not, if we do not show love and forbearance in the face of cruelty, insult, intolerance and ridicule, we are not showing the world that we know Jesus. That's why it's so important to have wise conduct before unbelievers. And one, re- one reason is so that we are not made to be a fool. The reputation of the gospel depends on that. The world judges Christianity by what it sees in you. Are you representing it well with kindness, holiness, consistence, reverence to the Lord? And also, unfortunately, the world judges Christianity by what it sees on television, where the lies about Christians and Christianity are broadcast as the pagan's version of the gospel truth. And that's all the more reason to live holy lives. I remember the old versions of Robin Hood. Friar Tuck was portrayed as a wise Christian man, yet in modern versions he's been portrayed as a Muslim and as a bumbling fool. Now I remember some years back, I remember watching 60 Minutes with George Negus. It was a report on a couple who ran a fistula hospital in Africa. It was an incredible story about a couple, now in their old age, a couple who spent their life helping others. At the end of the story, George Negus, the camera zoomed in on him, finished with a this close up and said something like this I can't remember the exact words just what motivates these people to devote their lives to helping others and the truth was that he knew full well that it was their Christian faith that motivated them this I discovered in a later article in a Christian newsletter they had actually told Negus about their faith and how it motivated them and that was another deliberate cover up by the media It has been said the group with the smallest percentage of Christians is our modern media. Nevertheless, in spite of the insults, you are to be wise. God God wants your conduct to be with wisdom. This conduct is your manner of behaviour. This means you are to be sympathetic. This could be in counselling, listening, compassionate and humble, as in 1 Peter 3.8. To sum up, let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted and humble in spirit. We are to be loving, as in Peter 1.3.9. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing repay the evil cast at you. We are to be patient. We are to be considerate and long-suffering with the unbeliever and know when not to speak. That is often one of the hardest things to do. It is so often the best thing to simply listen to a person and wait for a better opportunity. If your conduct is indeed with wisdom, then the name of Christ will not be maligned. The unbeliever will have no basis to mock Christ, his church or his people, and he may be brought into the fold of Christ and become a believer. God wants you to make the most of the opportunity with unbelievers, as in verse 5. Literally, the Greek says, redeeming the time, or buying up the opportunity. The sense would be, do not just sit there and wait for the opportunity to fall into your lap, but go after it. Yes, buy it. 
There is definitely a time to be aggressive in your relationship with an unbeliever. I would hope as Christians you would not become complacent about evangelism. God uses the gospel to call his people out of the world. The time is short and the world is even evil. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. As in verse 6, God wants you to let your speech to always be gracious with unbelievers. Paul is asking the Colossians to be careful with their tongues, careful when they speak in public and private, no gossip, careful when they speak to an equal or someone in power, no slander, careful when they speak to the poor and the rich, no favouritism, careful not only when they speak of the gospel but also when they're speaking of the weather, the economy, politicians, the authorities. In all your conversation, be good and gracious. God wants you to be careful, gracious, kind in your speech. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. Give them kindness, love, compassion and patience. And note the word always, as in all situations and all times. Playing a sport, watching a movie, driving, shopping, business in church, out of church and at work. Be gracious means to be kind, gentle, positive, helpful and insightful. A further description of this kind of gracious speech is seasoned with salt, as in verse 6. Those whom the Lord calls the salt of the earth must not be tasteless. Many work at a place where all the people around them are unbelievers. Their conversations are often vile, crass and filled with not-so-clean jokes all to get that sense of belonging and being in with the rest of the group. Don't be like the ungodly around you. Salt prevents corruption. Elsewhere, Paul says in Ephesians, do not let any corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And as we go on in verse 6, God wants you to know how to answer everyone. Speak the right word at the right time to the right person. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Ask you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Part of having answers means being wise. And in Proverbs, as well as the rest of the scripture is the only source of true wisdom. With wisdom, you will, be properly, you will properly be able to answer in times of cancelling and heartache, joy and sorrow, and in times when morality is an issue. Part of having answers means knowing doctrine. The catechisms are an excellent teacher of doctrine. Know the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, of the Holy Spirit, the gospel message, the resurrection the return of the Christ, and the rest of what the Bible teaches. Part of having answers means studying, studying difficult issues. Study evolution, cults, and other religions. I've found in my Christian life the knowledge of evolution and creation has helped me greatly wit to witness to others. 
You don't have to master them all, just be familiar with them. And if you don't know the answer, say you don't know and you come back later with the answer. And don't forget, in your wisdom and grace towards them, pray for them. They need to be granted the faith that God gives, as in Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. They need to be granted the repentance that God gives them, as in 2 Timothy 2.25. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. They need to be granted the belief that God gives, as in Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. And you can make a difference in your prayers, as in James 5.16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So what difference do these verses make in your lives? I know when I was studying uh, for this sermon that it's uh, woken me up a bit and um, myself I can see many changes that I have to make and continue to make in my life. Now your conduct and speech before an unbeliever is vitally important. Your conduct should be with wisdom and your speech with grace. I know it's not always easy, and I think myself of the many opportunities that I've missed and the many opportunities that I've messed up. I do thank God that it is God that draws people to himself, and regardless of our poor efforts, it is also God that empowers us. When necessary, it is God who has clearly shown us in these verses how to conduct ourselves towards unbelievers, Armed with this knowledge, it's an honour to be used by God. And being Mother's Day, I might mention my wife, Glenys. When I was an unbeliever, she did not Bible bash me, but acted as in 1 Peter 3, 1-2. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, there was a Christian who years ago worked with an unbeliever. And for two years, this Christian answered the unbeliever's questions. He was gentle and kind in his conduct in all situations and always tried to point his friend to Christ. He sought to be wise and gracious. Today, that unbeliever has become a pastor. The Lord used that Christian, his wise conduct, his gracious speech, to help bring another into his kingdom. May Jesus bless these words and we pray that we can apply them to our lives. Amen.